CKUT 90.3 FM brings you another episode of Finn's Montreal Dancing Diaries. Street Dance in the Studio. Besides the hip-hop choreographies and music videos, I've had the chance to see live performances on stage and occasionally have caught demonstration battles on metro platforms. Every time, the dancers look so powerful, so in control, and usually so aggressive as they pump their all into whatever competition is taking place. Despite being fascinated and envious of the examples I've seen, for years I've been too intimidated by that aggression to seek out a space to learn it myself. But, given some external encouragement, I poked around the internet and found a studio I knew I could work with. On the seventh floor of a commercial high-rise on Mount Royal Avenue, Studio Sweatshop sets out to be a safe space for anyone to learn to dance. In an interview posted on Alternative Channel, co-founder and owner of the studio, Jody, explains the importance of an inclusive and encouraging atmosphere, both for new dancers and the image of hip-hop. Breakdancing and hip-hop have a pretty steep learning curve, and it takes years of dance experience to go from clueless to crafted. To pass these hurdles, it helps a huge amount to learn and practice where your efforts and progress are recognized, besides the skills judged in battles. Given that I feel like I have the street cred of an English country garden, the possibility of breaking down with soccer moms put my mind at ease. Looking at the array of classes given by the studio, I had no clue how to start. Should I go straight into break one, or maybe try out whacking, or take a lesson in house? Thankfully, the studio has a solution for that conundrum. For $25, I could try any and all of the studio's classes I could fit into what they call Initiation Week. Studio Sweatshop keeps the decor simple, with white concrete walls, presenting posters and merch, and hardwood floors in their two practice rooms. With the open concept office space and red cloth changing rooms, the clean and simple aesthetic adds to the authenticity of the space. Fusion, led by Jody, I joined some people stretching and chatting by the windows. Then, before I could figure out what all I was in for, the music was on and we were warming up. Moving to the beat, following the steps of the instructor, repeating and adjusting patterns of footwork. At first, I felt like I was in an aerobics class, bouncing around in running shoes. I had been properly warned that the studio earned its name every class. After we got our blood going and stretched a little, the lesson turned to some more complicated stockhouse moves. Instead of watching and repeating, like in the warm-up, we broke down moves in sections with instructions on where to put our weight, overall posture, and breath control. With her diverse dance background, Jody used language I could understand to explain how we were moving. A lot of house dancing is very quick steps and patterns your feet know while the rest of you follows as smoothly as possible. To get these sequences in our bodies, we would start slowly, learning frame by frame the component postures. Counting the beat, we started to move between them and speeding up. Right, left, back. Left, right, back. Right, left, back. 
Once it looked like we students weren't falling over, the music came back on. After some time on classic moves, we worked on a choreography that pulled in much of what we had focused on thus far. Since most of the class had been making these motions for the last several months, I was struggling to keep up and remember what we were doing from one moment to the next. But by the last time through I had it. Or... almost. I managed to fit in eight classes over my initiation week. Some of them were fusion classes, mixing street dance, music and moves with jazz ballet, tap, gymnastics, or anything else that might seem fun to the instructor. Others focused on specific known genres that might be seen in a club, used in a battle, or performed on stage. Here, I'll try to explain some of the forms I got a taste of. The easiest to pick out is waving. We probably all have a cousin that likes to stick out his arms and give the impression of a wave traveling from one hand across his shoulders to the other. Well, some people can do a lot more than the arm thing, having very clear ripples traveling up and down their bodies and even across each other. It looks fluid when done well, but to begin, we had a class full of people going stiffly from position to position in a careful decomposition of the motion. In the same class, usually devoted to popping, we also got a little cutting and tutting. The characteristic motions of these are crisp right angles at the elbows, wrists, and sometimes shoulders. Cutting seems all about making and moving an imaginary box around in front of the dancer while rotating only one or two joints at a time. Tutting, in reference to that pop culture icon of the ancients, King Tut, has the same kind of segmented rotation, but the arms are held apart, often jutting off from the shoulders in that classic Do the Egyptian profile. These kind of go with popping because they're styles of dance in which most of the action is in some specific part of the body, where some muscle group is working while the rest of you is held still hence the term isolations. Popping is a dance style that demands the same kind of control and often pulls in these moves. But it can also have more moving of the dancer's center of mass as well. Popping can be identified by a rhythmic jolting that runs through all or part of a dancer's body, the pop. By quickly tensing or relaxing muscles, a popper will end or break up some larger motion with its dramatic shudder. This technique takes a fair bit of drilling, but it can be pulled out in a battle or on the dance floor. If someone is doing a very convincing robot dance, chances are they've added a little pop. Locking, a dance form begun from someone's inability to do the funky chicken, has some standard steps to be pulled out in the club. Moves include the pimp walk, piecing, pointing, which is literally suddenly pointing at someone with as much stiff and powerful attitude as you can muster, and the lock, a lopsided standing posture with one knee and both elbows sticking out. Locking mixes really smooth weight transfers, sudden arm motions, and on-the-beat freezes, which all combine to make a show of slightly goofy agility. Whacking is also very much about the attitude. While many of these dances are learned as a sequence of positions, whacking really is pose after pose after pose. Think rolled in cheerleading, but with splayed fingers instead of pom-poms.
In time, each posture is made complete on the beat and held for a moment before moving to the next. A sequence of these arm positions are called lays. We learn two standards while standing still, walking forward, walking backwards, crouching, and changing at faster and faster speeds. The whack, spelled with two A's, is an arm motion that starts down and moves, and then rotates the forearm twice up behind the head and falls back down to the reverse. This may not be the origin of the term, but I whacked myself in the head enough times in practicing to remember both the motion and the name. And this is actually an example of half-spin rotation, where four pi rotations of a hand are needed to return to the starting orientation. But our instructor didn't emphasize this parallel to subatomic particles. I missed the house class, but from the videos and the house fusion class I did get to, I have the impression that looking a little off-balance is a big part of it. It's an upstyle, so in competitions people generally stay off the floor, and there's a lot of fancy footwork and tossing momentum around, rather than killing it the way that popping does. Despite my trepidation, my introduction to breakdancing was way fun. In part because I finally got the time to improvise with the moves I picked up at other classes. Breakdancing is generally done competitively, with individuals or teams taking turns showing their moves. And in a practicing context, this rotation is called ciphering. When it's your turn to take the floor, you start with some top rock, throw in some footwork, add in breaks big and small, and end with some kind of finish. In the space of one class, I learned, though certainly didn't own, three top rock steps, the five and six step footwork turn, the W, a break that makes a W out of your splayed and folded legs, and ciphered against three other students. The hip-hop class I got to was kind of experimental in style, so I'm not sure what I can really say about the genre as a whole, but I'll do my best. It seems that hip-hop is more solo or group performance oriented, rather than improvising on the dance floor or in a battle, though I'm sure that specific moves could be tossed in for effect anywhere. We worked on a choreography to a blues standard, following the slightest detail in the singer's interpretation, to build an intimate reflection of the musical narrative. There was quite a mixture of smooth and jerky actions, isolations and full body motions, all with a specific expression in mind, because the dance was wrapped around the music. While the dancing was great fun, there were plenty of challenges to keep me on my toes. Dances that have been standardized for popularizations have set positions you can keep going back to for easy learning and following. Street dances, unlike square dancing or ballet, are more fluid, having morphed into being from one person playing and another trying to imitate. This means most positions are very detailed, including full body posture, trajectories of motion, and acceleration patterns. You can see this in hip-hop dance troupes, where the dancers' skeletons are in parallel and their motions are synced to the extreme. To look convincing and get up to speed, you have to already know where you're going, else the hesitation and loss of momentum will make you look sloppy. But this level of detail, and the unfamiliar physical vocabulary, made it hard for me to remember from one beat to the next, and resulted in my putting more attention on the actions of those I was following than my own execution moves. 
Of course, there are step patterns that are more or less common, and instructors took care to break down the new motions in terms of body parts and timing, but it was a lot to hold on to. Practice and experience, and maybe following one class from the beginning, would help a lot to get these moves in my head. Freedom of motion was another challenge, though it only really came up in my breakdancing class. After following the leader for so many hours, it was hard to work up the confidence to improvise and show my stuff while ciphering. But here was a chance to really work with the music, as I love to do. As explained by the instructor, musicality is key when battling. More than being on the beat, if you can line up your breaks with the shots or breaks in the song, the music and the dance amplify each other. Dancers that are super agile and strong are still not as impressive as those who really know how to play with the bass, words, and beats. But it takes experience listening carefully to predict what will happen and how to sync it up. While I'm relatively fit overall, I could feel the need for more upper body and core strength while working these moves. Particularly with floor work, I was not on par with the teenage boys I was dancing with. And while I may be female, I am not the feminist shoe in the closet. And going from class to class, most of the motions felt a little off my gender presentation on one side or the other. None of the styles are explicitly masculine or feminine, particularly not at Studio Sweatshop, but translating demonstration moves to my body type took some interpretation and didn't always work that well. Still, popping and breaking were very satisfying for my macho tendencies, so I'll just have to learn how to tame the extra bounce and work in the hips. From the small amount of exposure I've had to these forms of street dance, I already agree that it's a great means to empowerment. Highland dancing might not change how I walk down the street, but the confidence of this genre of dance already has made a difference, and I hope that's something I never lose. Studio Sweatshop's spring and summer sessions started on the 20th of April, but most of the classes are drop-in style, so don't feel shy to give them a try if you're curious. Google will take you to their site in no time. I've gone back already to study popping, because that kind of control is way too impressive to pass up. And if I'm lucky, Boom Beast might offer again to teach us how to cartwheel. My thanks for the cooperation and instruction I received from Jody, Michelle, Nadine, Melissa, and Stefan, and everyone's patience as this episode came together. Until next time, this is Finn, Valley Moore.